Hello and welcome to another episode of the Voice of Wealth interviews. My name is Charlotte de Capoisson. Joining us today is Ed Shing, Global Chief Investment Officer at BNP Paribas Wealth Management. Hello and welcome, Ed. Hello, Charlotte. Today we're going to talk about a topic that has built a lot of ink recently, inflation. The textbook definition of inflation is a general increase in prices and fall in the purchasing value of money. But Ed, does this definition apply to everyone? I mean, all consumers? Well, clearly the definition does apply to everyone. But I think the important thing is that not everyone has the same rate of inflation. Now, if we think about inflation in its basic terms, what is it? It is a basket of goods and services that we consume. And it's a measurement of how the prices of those goods and services go up over time. Now, the point being that not everyone buys the same things. You know, you might, for instance, have a particular interest in the theatre. So for you, theatre tickets might be an important part of your consumption and therefore should be part of your inflation. Whereas me, maybe I can't stand the theatre. I never go to the theatre. So it's not something I ever spend money on. So therefore, it's not part of my inflation basket. But maybe I like music. So vinyl records, for instance, might be part of my particular inflation basket. My point is that everyone's pattern of consumption is different. They buy different goods and services in different quantities. And therefore, their personal rate of inflation will be different one from another. So when we talk about inflation, for instance, the consumer price inflation index that is commonly talked about, this is like an average basket that the average consumer has. But on an individual basis, everyone has slightly different inflation rates effectively. When we learn that the price of bread has gone up, for example, most people would consider this as bad news. But can inflation ever be a good thing, Ed? Well, in a sense, yes, if it's moderate, uh, Charlotte. And that's why central banks generally have a positive inflation target, because what they're trying to do is avoid the sort of issue that we've seen in for many years in Japan now, which is the issue of constant deflation. That is, when prices tend to fall over time. Now, the problem with that is it's quite a nasty, um, has quite a nasty effect on the on economic growth, because what it does is it incentivizes people to delay spending. In other words, why buy something today if that good is going to be cheaper tomorrow? I'll just wait until tomorrow. And that's what people do. They delay the consumption, which slows down economic growth and slows down, therefore, the whole economy. Um, and then it becomes, it becomes quite a pernicious uh, effect on the economy as a whole. So in order to encourage positive growth over time, it's generally viewed that a, a low but positive inflation rate over time is a good thing because then you don't get this delaying of consumption. Hey, and in the wake of the pandemic, the ensuing lockdowns and the deep global recession, there has been an unprecedented creation of money through measures implemented by central banks and governments. In your opinion, will this increase in the money supply coupled with the various aid measures directly or indirectly cause a rise in inflation? And can we say, that global reflation is going to stay with us in the future? Well, see, this is an interesting question right now, because if you were to take a classic monetarist stance, so Milton Friedman, for instance, believed that uh, 
a big increase in the money supply, just as we've seen recently from central banks, causes inflation in the end. Now, this may be true, but the question is when? Because there can be quite long lag time effects between uh, money supply going up on the one hand and inflation coming back. It may take quite a while for one to lead to the other. And I think this is what we see now. As an example, right now, we see a lot of the money being spent, the lot of, a lot of the efforts being made by central banks and the money being spent by governments are all about supporting the economy, about, for instance, supporting employment, because we are seeing rises in unemployment as a result of the lockdowns because of the coronavirus crisis. Now, that's important because when unemployment goes up, salaries don't go up. And in, at the end of the day, services, which are the biggest part of Western economies in terms of their weight, depend for their inflation rate largely on an increase in underlying salaries. At the moment, you're not seeing that because people are willing to take any job, pretty much any salary level, because jobs are scarce. So it may be quite some time before we see these effects, this, this, the effect of the gr fast-growing money supply on, the behalf of, on behalf of central banks transmitting into higher inflation rates. It might be not this year, it might not be next year, it might be two or three years down the line before we really see that happening. Okay, and historically, people have invested in real assets to protect their savings from inflation. Do you think this is a sensible strategy at the present time, especially as savings rates are close to zero? Well, I think it, I think it does make some sense, given that, um, as you said, savings rates are close to zero. So keeping your money in cash basically gives you no return at all. And as long as inflation is positive, that means your, the return to your cash after the effect of inflation is going to be negative. So you're going to lose the value of that money slowly but surely over time by leaving it in the bank. And I think that is a very good reason why investors today, if they expect the inflation rate to remain positive, and they also remain expect cash savings rates to remain at zero, are very much um, encouraged, therefore, to, to invest elsewhere. In case of rises of inflation, the sorts of assets that do well are stocks, they are also commodities, uh, because commodities often are one of the causes of inflation, after all, in terms of things like the oil price, for instance, or the price of metals. And other assets, such as inflation-linked bonds, can be a good place to be, because they specifically are designed to protect the investor against uh, rising inflation. Because the yield you get from these, in part, depends on the underlying rate of inflation at the time. So they're a much better alternative than classic, for instance, government bonds who tend to suffer when inflation goes up because their coupon does not rise um, to, to compensate for any rise in inflation. Okay, interesting. Ed, you head up a team of strategists at BNP Paribas Wealth Management. I understand you're looking for a rebound in economic growth in 2021. But what are your global inflation forecasts for, for the same year? And is, this a link, is there a link between the economic recovery and global inflation? Well, yes, there is a link, Charlotte. But I think we should also remember the fact that there are some quite profound deflationary pressures in the system right now, as I said, resulting in particular from unemployment, uh, the high level of unemployment. Remember, unemployment is still rising in Western economies, uh, and that is going to keep salaries under pressure for quite a while to come. And as I said, 
since salaries are one of the biggest um, drivers of widespread inflation over time, that suggests that any increase in inflation that we see even in 2021 is going to be very modest. So we might say that inflation is particularly low at the moment and that, yes, it might rise from these extremely low levels, but it's going to remain relatively low even into next year. And that's despite the economic recovery, because, as I said, you do have this sort of um, lagged effect on wages coming from this high unemployment rate, which in turn should keep inflation suppressed for, for a while to come. Okay. And how do countries, governments and central banks prepare themselves for inflation, uh, rising inflation? I mean, in other words, what tools do they possess to curb inflation? Well, in the case of it, this is generally the, the job of central banks. Um, and generally, when inflation rises above their target, so for instance, in Europe and the US, that target would be around 2% general inflation. So when the inflation rate goes goes sustainably above that 2%, in theory, central banks should be what they call tightening policy, that is raising interest rates or removing, um, uh, removing unconventional monetary policy. For instance, they should stop buying, buying government bonds, which is what they've been doing under their quantitative easing programs. So you'd expect the measures the, that uh, central banks have been undertaking to boost the economy, you'd expect them to unwind those and uh, stop, as I said, buying the bonds, and then after that, slowly raise interest rates. But again, I think where we are in, in terms of the global economy, yes, we are seeing an economic recovery, but it's still quite fragile. Unemployment, for instance, as I've said several times, is still going up. Um, inflation pressures are still very, very low at the moment. So we, do, we don't see that there's any prospect of central banks raising interest rates or even stopping their buying of bonds anytime soon. In fact, the Federal Reserve and the ECB have been quite clear on this, that they don't see themselves renormalizing policy at all in 2021 and maybe not even uh, in 2022. In your investment themes for 2021, you forecast a move towards deglobalization versus globalization. Do you think this would trigger higher inflation? In theory, the answer should be yes, because by bringing, let's say, production of goods, which have been done, let's say, in Asia particularly, um, I mean, up until recently, China's always been seen as the the, the world's fact, global factory of goods. Um, but if you were to see deglobalization as a result of the sort of supply chain disruptions from coronavirus, and you want to bring production of goods and components closer to home or even back to your own country, then in theory, that would entail higher costs because there's a reason that this pr production of goods was predominantly done in Asia in the first place, which is it was very cheap. Labor costs were cheap and, 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 and the consumer benefited from that in terms of lower goods prices. So by bringing these goods closer to home, um, you in theory should raise prices because you have obviously a higher cost of, of producing these goods. But, but, as I said, coming back to the point at the hand at the moment, the main driver would be through salaries, higher salaries. We don't see salaries rising anytime soon because of the high unemployment rate throughout the world. So I think while deglobalization ultimately can provoke a rise in inflation rates, that is unlikely to happen to any significant event, uh, effect in 2021. I think it's going to be something that takes longer to appear in the system than that.
And finally, what about individual investors? If they are concerned about rising inflation, in your view, what should they buy and what should they avoid? Tricky well, question, huh? <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Uh, but there are there are some answers we have. Um, the most obvious answer would be to invest in inflation-protected bonds. Governments do uh, issue bonds, particularly, for instance, the UK and the US governments, they do issue bonds which have an inflation component. So in other words, the coupon or the interest rate that they pay is related to the level of inflation at the time. So in other words, the higher that inflation is, the higher the interest rate you get from this inflation-protected bond. So in a sense, this is unlike these are unlike normal bonds which do not have this component. So with a normal bond, the coupon or the interest rate you receive is fixed over time, over the, the, the lifetime of the bond. So if it's a 10-year bond, you will receive the same fixed interest rate over the lifetime, over the 10 years that that bond exists. With an inflation-protected bond, the, 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 the interest rate or the coupon can vary in line with inflation. And that gives you an inflation protection you don't normally get. So that is certainly within the bond world, our favoured way to protect yourself against a risk of higher inflation in time. Otherwise, obvious investments would be what we call real assets. They're those assets that should benefit one way or another from a rise in inflation. And finally, what about individual investors? If they're concerned about rising inflation, in your view, what should they buy and what should they avoid? Tricky question, perhaps. <laughs> Yes. Well, there are some suggestions that we do have, Charlotte, in terms of our um, investment proposals. Uh, one such proposal would be in the bond universe. Now, bonds generally do not protect against inflation. And in fact, when inflation rises, bonds generally are not a good investment because they tend to lose their value because they have a fixed coupon, a fixed interest rate, which doesn't change as inflation goes up. However, there are a special type of, invest of a bond called inflation-protected bonds where the coupon or the interest rate does vary in line with the underlying rate of inflation. So as inflation rises, the coupon or the interest rate given by this inflation-protected bond goes up, thus protecting the investor against unexpected rises in inflation. So that's one idea, inflation-protected bonds. These are issued typically by governments such as the U.S., the UK or even in France. Otherwise, um, we, in, we, we encourage investment in what we call real assets. So these can be assets, uh, asset classes that benefit from inflation, moderate, moderate inflation. And this can include stocks and shares, because again, the profits of companies should go up in line with inflation over time. So that you get that protection and dividends also paid by companies should go up over time in line with inflation. Secondly, commodities, because again, commodities such as metals or oil um, are an input to inflation, in fact, because they are an input cost, the raw materials uh, that go into goods, and so they can cause inflation. And so uh, particularly now, we see this as being a particularly good time to invest in commodities, notably metals, both industrial metals and precious metals. And this will also be the type of investment that should in theory, protect investors against rises in inflation, particularly commodity-based inflation. And the third, uh, the final area, I think, which is interesting is real estate. Because again, investing in real estate can be interesting because again, rents should go up over time as well in line with inflation. So again, because rents tend to be linked to inflation, they also tend to, real estate then also tends to protect 
investors against rising inflation over time. Ed Sheng, thank you very much for joining us today. Goodbye. Thank you, Charlotte.